This is the Tame Aperture Podcast. Open the pod bay doors, Cal. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Welcome to the Tame Aperture Podcast, where we talk all things movies, from first-time directors to indie films, art house, and much, much more. You can join us at www.tameaperture.com for previous episodes and to give us suggestions on future films to watch and review. This week on the podcast, we talk the 1995 film Leaving Las Vegas, directed by Mike Figgis and starring Nicolas Cage and Elizabeth Shue. Ben Sanderson, a Hollywood screenwriter who lost everything because of his alcoholism, arrives in Las Vegas to drink himself to death. My name's Gabe Bienendahl, filmmaker, film instructor, and movie enthusiast, and I'm joined today by Alan Martindale, veteran podcaster and editor, and special guest, film enthusiast, and Boston sports fanatic, James Jandro. I'm not going to say it right. Did I say that right? No, you're good. I said Jandro right? You are correct. Good, because it always messes me up. No, you're good. It's very tricky. Is this a French name? Indubitably. Okay, I, f- I figured we've had this discussion in the past, but it's been quite some time since we've actually... Correct. seen each other so i wanted to make sure i didn't mispronounce your name you're good man how, alan how the hell are you i'm just dandy i'm just so dandy i don't want to kill myself at all after watching this movie alan is unquestionably loving leaving las vegas starring <laughs> nicholas cage just the, it's just the, the greatest greatest most feel-good movie ever made i would let my kids watch it <laughs> <laughs> well the kids that you don't have or may or, not have or yeah. may, may have, or yeah. may not yeah right it's almost like one of those after-school specials, like the dangers of hooking and being a drunk. Hey, 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 there's nothing wrong with hooking. No. Don't be afraid to speak, to speak right into that mic either. We want to hear that, that voice. Fair enough. All right. There we go. Are we good now? Yep. Yeah. Bring, right. that, bring that, that Northeastern voice, that Boston voice into that mic. Well, it's, it's it only show. a Boston voice when I get drunk, which I unfortunately can't do anymore. Do you go full, like, park the car? Yeah, absolutely. You do? You do? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Gotcha. And then I, I go off on man crushes of, you know, Boston athletes like Kurt Schilling and, of course, hashtag TB12, the GOAT. The so. GOAT. You can, I knew you weren't going to go without the first minute of this podcast without bringing up Tom Brady. So James and I have known each man other crush. for quite some some time, but we haven't Six seen – Yeah, but we haven't seen each other for four three. years, three, three years. Four, yeah. So, like – but I knew you were going to talk about TB12 right off the gate. This is a movie podcast, by the way. This is not a Boston sports podcast. <laughs> well, I'm going to give him a pass. Though. We've talked about the Jazz quite a bit. True. I, well, to be fair, they're supposed to be making a movie about the Super Bowl 51 greatest comeback in sports history besides the 04 Red Sox comeback from three That's games the one versus Atlanta, right? Correct. Okay. Just wanted to be sure. I'm not as in, affluent in Boston sports history as you are so. i ended up crying at the end of that one so you shed a tear literally yeah how do you feel so, about eli manning i actually like him <laughs> just kidding no yeah. i actually <laughs> like him believe it or not i i respect the hell out of him yeah he beat us dude, twice I, I mean I, there's nothing else i could do he, he that, that dude just stumbled his way to the top somehow absolutely yeah <laughs> it's yeah. crazy I, ironically it's his brother that i hate i i don't mind really eli. See, i'm just the opposite yeah just i don't mind eli at all I got mad respect for him. I mean, so. he beat the best teams. Exactly. I mean, he beat. He beat. He beat yeah. New England. So I, somehow they they made it to those two Super Bowls, and they. I'm I'm not one of those I'm not one of those Patriots fans that's like, oh, I hate Eli. I hate the Giants. They suck. Nope, not at all. I'm the complete opposite. Well, good for you. I give them mad props. Good for you. So, what, what, how do you feel about the Celtics? 
I love them. Okay, good. So me and Alan have had this discussion a little bit in the past because being a Salt Lake City native, I'm a jazz man. But my follow-up team to that is the Celtics. That's I grew why up, we're friends. I grew up with Bird. Bird's my boy. That's always what it was. In the, in the, I just grew up loving basketball. Best trash talker ever. Oh, of Fantastic. all time. Of that 86 time. Celtics team. He and Reggie team, Miller. 86 Celtics team is probably in the top three of all time. Fact. I would agree with that. Yeah. They're I wouldn't disagree. Phenomenal. Yeah. I play my son in NBA 2K, and you can choose all-time classic NBA teams. I choose... Uh, the Celtics every time. And that's Bird, why we're friends. Bird's like five feet behind the three. He just drains every time. Every single time. Every my, shot. Yeah. He's a 99 yeah. on the scorecard. My, my favorite Bird trash talk moment. First ever three-point contest. He walks into the crowd. The he, wa- he walks on the, oh, I know the court. I didn't know where you're going. And he sees all these guys getting ready for the three-point contest. And he's just looking around. The reporter comes up to him and goes, Hey, Bird, uh, what are you doing? What are you thinking? He goes, I'm just trying to figure out which one of you guys is coming second after me. I'm like, wow. And then to follow that up, he, actually he shoots wins the money it. ball yeah. and holds the number one up. Yeah. That's the greatest. With his crooked finger. He, he, <laughs> the dude is. He had balls the size of grapefruits. Yep, yep, if you, you know. look at his finger in there, it's literally the most crooked finger I've ever seen. But he holds up the number one and he holds it up the, proudly. One of the best trash talkers in sports history, All in my time. opinion. That's what Yeah. Him and Reggie Miller going up to Spike Lee. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Well, let's get in. Let's, okay. I digress. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I knew we weren't going to get too far without, without bringing up some Boston sports. Sports, Yeah. (laughs) And that's okay. Cause I'm not against that. However, we, we also didn't mention hockey. So we we could save that for later. Let's leave the Bruins alone. And I don't know enough to even, to even stay on par with you. Fair enough. So I'd be like, I'd be lost to be honest. I I can, I I can keep up with the Celtics for sure. The Patriots a little bit with the Bruins. I'm done. I'll say this though: when I was deployed in Iraq in 2011, best deployment ever because I got to see the Bruins win in seven when I was in Iraq, America. So (laughs) it sounds more like Boston than America. (laughs) Same difference. Boston is America. Boston is America. Freedom. I thought it was Little Ireland. Eh, Something like that. I have a special place in my heart for Boston. Though I went to school at the Vermont College of Fine Arts, and I flew into Boston every year, and that was my place. I love Boston. It's a great spot. All right, let's digress a little yeah, bit. Let's, <laughs> let's jump into leaving Las Vegas and talk about how much Alan loves this film. Just, First amazing. off, I want to say that, that James and I had discussed a little bit about doing a film that we both really enjoy. And actually, James introduced me to year, a couple years or more than a couple years, but a few years back, called Red Rock West and uh, starring Nicolas Cage. Fact. It's a great film. I, I don't know if you knew I would like it, but I watched it and I still to this day love it. It's a great film, mm-hmm. wonderfully written, just really. And so we wanted to do that one. And then I couldn't, subsequently, I couldn't find it on streaming. And then James comes it's, in and is like, it's on iTunes. And I'm like, Ugh. It's, it's also a movie I find absolutely hilarious because the guy it, has absolute worst luck in the world. In the world. And I might add, and me and Alan have had these discussions in the past. I want to see how you feel about it. It, it stars, along with Nick Cage, it also stars Dennis Hopper. Who I love. Who is... We've put so me and Alan have created a list, and we're gonna fill. So we've created a list of what do we call them, Alan? National fucking treasures. National treasures. Well, there's another treasure in that movie that I think is I criminally out? underrated. JT Walsh. Okay. He was he's a he was a fucking great actor. I'm not gonna go as far as treasure. I'm okay. with you. Fair enough. But but you know what I'm saying. But, but JT Walsh is criminally fucking underrated. Absolutely. And the fact that he died young and. 
Yeah, he was. One I of didn't my, even know he was dead. Yeah, he was one of my all-time. I actually didn't actors. know he's dead. Either. Yeah, not only is he dead, he died in '98. Yeah, yeah, twenty and, plus years. And, ago. Jack, and Jack Nicholson dedicated his Oscar from Lee, uh, from from as good as it gets to J.T. To Walsh. Walsh. Yeah, because they were they were tight. They were homies. It's a great film. J.T. Walsh, shout out to him, R.I.P. Yeah, but Dennis Hopper, National Dennis Treasure, Hopper. who's also passed away, right? Yep. Um, Compton. but. We were gonna do that, and then I couldn't find it, and so I was like, "Let's let's let's change it up a little bit." And I wanted to stay on the Nick Cage track. I'm down. There's nothing wrong with ever staying on a Nick Cage track, right? right. Especially because he bought the Shah of Iran's a Lamborghini. Who the fuck does that? But why would he do that? <laughs> because he's rich. Because he's rich. Well, he, he also he bought the that that murder that uh, the murder New, mansion, the murder mansion and, in New Orleans, and the mummified heads of two pygmies right. in Africa. Because That's the fucking guy I want to party. The with. best part of Nicolas Cage is that he's really Nicolas Cage. He's really see. fucking crazy. But the, the thing I think we should mention is this isn't Nick Cage as you know him now. Where he's kind of become a parody, you know, he's just kind of Who, a, who's just yeah. making he's movies just, to pay off his taxes, right? Right, and yeah. like Mandy, where he goes bat, batshit insane, or every other film he's. In I nowadays. loved Mandy though. I I loved it. Oh, I Mandy's, haven't seen it yet, but everyone I've talked to really likes it. it. It's because it's, it's fucking crazy. It's a wild ride. Yeah, it is a Insanity. wild ride. Yeah. yeah, it is. It is. It's it's especially, a lot of fun. Especially, especially if right before you start Mandy, you took. A handful of psychedelic mushrooms. <laughs> I, I can't. I can't even imagine what that's like. Again, that's not me. A friend of mine I've, did that. Sure, sure. Okay. I also feel like that's a prerequisite for any Nick Cage film, oh, almost, or at least ninety percent of them. For sure, just not the Exorcist. <laughs> that my friend yeah, said yeah. talked about. Yeah. Well, I saw Mandy up at Sundance. Yeah, and it was priceless because I love that kind of shit. It's like it's a heavy metal movie, straight up. Yeah. So much gore, and it's so much fun. And by the end of the movie, half the theater was empty because people kept walking out. All those left. The snooty yeah. Sundance people couldn't handle it, and they all walked. And it was one of those midnight screenings, the midnight. I would say that mushrooms are a, po- are a prerequisite for post-2000 Nick Cage films. Because up yeah. to that point, mostly he's doing something like Leaving Las Vegas, which right. he gets nominated yep. and wins. An Academy Award. He won, right? Yeah, he won for uh, Leaving Las for Vegas. Leaving Las yep, Vegas. Fact. But then he does like The Rock and some big studio films. Yeah. But post like two thousand ish, yeah, he's kind of like you can you can mushroom out on his films. Yeah, because oh, yeah. I think uh, let's see, adaptation was O two. That, oh, that, yeah, was, trans- that was that was great. Good I mean, you can't lose with Charlie Kaufman. Right. Correct. Oh yeah, for sure. So, and Spike Jones too. Supposedly Kaufman's new movies as some kind of thriller thing. I don't know how true that, it is. that would be interesting. I'm That'd very be, excited I, for that I, because I read I'm a, something on Reddit about it. I'm a huge Kaufman fan, so that's fantastic. I, yeah, he's good. I like him. It was a book he wrote, wasn't it? That I don't know. Okay, that, I'll have to. I'll have to I'm not check. as huge into Kaufman as obviously you are, so I can't speak on that. I think it was a. I think he wrote a book, and then they're ba- kind of kind of basing it off. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but I think yeah. that's what it was. There was a. <laughs> Speaking of Nick Cage, and just going through his bio, his his filmography before we get into leaving Las Vegas a little bit more. I mean, it if you go at IMB, it just goes forever. Well, this is like Sam Jackson when we did when we were talking about Samuel L. Jackson. It's the same thing. You go to the yes. IMDb and it's like seven movies a year. I mean, Caster Troy mm-hmm. from yes. Face Off. <laughs> Come on, that yep. was that when I was a kid in it's junior like, high. But, that was like my. My gateway action movie. See, I love that movie, though, because of John Woo. And I'm a fucking huge John Woo guy. Right. Because I love that Chinese action stuff. So. Yeah, John Woo's John great. Yeah. But Castor, I mean, that's a great one. 
Con Air, The Rock. Hey, 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 Con, Con Air was great because Con of the, good. Because of the Marietta Mangler, okay? The, the <laughs> Con Air's great. Cameron Poe, Caster Troy, like yeah, he, all these names. He had some great names in there, too. He does. They're good and, names. Uh, what's his name? Con Air was almost filmed entirely in Utah, too. Did you see... Side eight, note. Did you see 8mm? Loved it. Yes. That's a good movie. That's a really good movie. Yep. That's a really good movie. If, if you guys want a companion piece of that... There's one from the 70s with George C. Scott written by the guy who do, who wrote Taxi Driver called Hardcore about a guy who's looking for his daughter who got into porn. Amazing. It's it's almost, one could almost be like a follow-up slash the, sequel to it. What's nice. the title of it? Hardcore. Hardcore? Yeah. <laughs> like I, I would watch that. a movie about pornography. That's <laughs> <laughs> your friend. That's, that's still your my friend. friend. My friend. Man, your you. friend is yeah. pretty wild. Yeah, he is. Yeah. <laughs> is gonna, he, kind of going up his filmography, Gone in 60 Seconds. I don't know how you feel about that one. Didn't really like it. it. It was okay. I didn't either. I'm not a huge Angelina Jolie fan. Yeah. I, I didn't love that film. Here's the thing, and it's kind of silly. It's totally off the beaten path, but I liked The Family Man. I don't know loved if you it. ever saw that. Loved I've it. Heard, I've heard it's great. It's, ba- loved it's it. hilarious. Yeah. And it's basically, it's a wonderful life contemporized. Yeah. And a great it. soundtrack. Chris yeah. Isaac. Yeah. yeah. Brett Ratner directed. Yep. Yeah. Who I normally don't like, but yeah, he. he but but that, that one was good. I liked Family Man, yeah, surprisingly. Yeah, I, I did too. Adaptation. Loved it. Loved it. Great film. Yep. Uh, National Treasure, of course, as a studio film. Yeah. It is what it is. I didn't hate it. Didn't love it. It just is what it is yeah, for it's me. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Now, The Weatherman was interesting. Did you guys see that I like that one as well. Yeah. It was... from, from another guy who I usually don't like, Gore Verbinski. Yeah. And I thought, and he did ended up doing like Pirates and yep. like all those kind of yeah, films fact. later on. Yeah. Ghost Rider, terrible. <laughs> terrible terrible good for me yeah it, the if wicker that makes man, sense though the wicker man the wicker man um, oh my God. you know you know what's funny Th- that's the thing that turned him into a meme fact Th- that yeah that was the turning point and right. the said in the sad thing that a lot of people don't know is the original the original wicker is man, fantastic the original wicker man is considered fan- a classic it's fantastic a cl- right. amazing film right. amazing he kind of did a family film for me as a dad like i liked the animated film the crudes i thought it was good it was a well put together film. I know you guys may not have seen that. I, I thought it was yeah, good. I never... He did a film that a guy I went to film school with wrote called Joe. Heard of it. It's fantastic. Yeah. It's a great movie. It's a fantastic movie. I suggest that one. It's called Joe. And then he kind of moves into these this territory that you're talking about, Alan, which is like he turns into a meme. He, from Joe was is 2013, especially from then forward. Right, it's right. like meme That's central. It, he just Except he, he's trying to pay off all those, those. Except he was in Snowden by Oliver Stone. I, I never did, saw. I that. didn't see. It I didn't either. see I'd it either. To see so it, but I didn't. I see actually it. didn't know he was. But in there. Believe it or not, well, yeah. But he, he does, Mandy. You guys spoke to that one a little yeah. bit. He did Spider Man into the Spider Verse, which was, was cool, fantastic. And Spider Man Noir was awesome. He, del- he delivered the best lines in that whole in that whole movie. Going back though, uh, Nicholas Cage was also in Kick Ass. That's which right. I surprisingly enjoyed. Yep. But that's I because, heard it's good. That's, because that's a I, good movie. That's because I love Matthew Vaughn. Yep. I'm Matthew, a huge Matthew Vaughn I'm with fan. you on Matthew Vaughn because I think stylistically as a yeah. filmmaker, he's awesome. And and even though I don't like a lot of comic book movies, X-Men First Class that Matthew Vaughn did, amazing. It's awesome. Kevin yeah. Bacon, love Kevin Kingsman, Bacon. Kingsman. Yep. Kingsman was great, good. Great, great, great yeah. movie. Yeah. yeah, I like Matthew I, I'm Vaughn I'm with you on Matthew Vaughn. He's yeah. a great stylistic uh, yeah. director. And then he gets into... <laughs> There's there's a couple in here. So Spider-Man in the Spider-Verse we, was a good movie. By the way, of 2018, that was the best, not just animated film, that was one of the best films of the year I agree. for me. I think I that was my favorite so film good. of the Which year. Which one? What? Just Spider-Man in the Spider-Verse. I, I haven't seen it. it. 
it's it's an animated film, but it's oh, just it's, a good movie all around. It's so good. I mean, I went into it. My kids wanted to see it, and I was like, ah. First of all, superhero. Second of all, animated. And it ended up just, I was blown away by it. It's so good. It was so good that I came home, and as soon as it came on demand, I made my girlfriend watch it with me. Interesting. It's so good. Here's one. And that was the same year that a a movie came out in 2018 called Between Worlds. Did anyone see this one? Never even heard of it. Yeah. So it was on Netflix. I believe, if if I'm not mistaken, it was a Netflix original. It's called Between Worlds. It's absolutely the worst film I've ever seen bathroom open yeah for go sure. ahead sorry guys no we're just gonna keep going no worries yeah I'm it's absolutely the worst film i'm looking at it now <laughs> i've seen in my life joe meets a mother who can contact spirits when when suffocating we we talked about this before alan we just briefly off 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 mic we talked about this film and i was telling you how bad we, it that's is that's right it literally will you want to watch it because you will laugh your ass off at how horrible it is <laughs> Like Mandy might be, uh, and I haven't seen Mandy yet. But right. Based on what you're telling me, it might be something that you're like either disturbed or it's so off brand. Right. That people are leaving the theater. It's just yeah, it's, it's very. Uh, it, it 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 pushes boundaries. Yes. Is that yes, fair? Yes. Between Worlds is just straight out comical because it's trying to be serious. Okay. It's like a life. Let me. It's like a lifetime movie on crack. Why does Netflix do this kind of shit? They do this kind of I, shit I, all I might the be time. mistaken. It might not. I mean, I'm looking at IMDb. I think it is. 4.6 on IMDb. Now, we know IMDb. 4.6 on yeah, IMDb. Yeah, it's usually always in the sevens. It's usually six or seven. Yeah, yeah. So anyway. Even for the bad stuff. Between Worlds, if you're looking to laugh your ass off, but still love Nick Cage, Between Worlds is the way to go. <laughs> I, it just the premise is bizarre to me. She can contact spirits when suffocating. He ends up having intimate relations with his girlfriend's daughter, and it just gets in this weird territory about spirits and like having sex with spirits. And he oh basically gets—it's like memory. How, how did I miss this movie? I know, right? You go watch it. I think you'll like it. <laughs> I liked it comically for that reason. Wow! But he's basically—it's like a she's his ex, his deceased wife spirit takes shape and form into this girl's body oh my god oh my god it's this weird ghostly remember when dan Aykroyd in ghostbusters got a blowjob from a spirit yeah yes that's what it feels like and and he he claims it was a real thing because he was on joe rogan podcast and he was like that really happened and joe rogan's like okay (laughs) well even in that movie it was a dream Fact. Yeah, it was a dream. It was a dream, it was a right? Right, exactly. Yeah. But yeah. it's uh, bizarre, man. So anyway, we're going through Nick's Cage, Nick Cage's portfolio, or portfolio, his filmography, and it just goes on forever and ever and ever and ever. But you know what's interesting about leaving Las Vegas is he gets nominated for an Academy Award and he wins Best Actor. Fact. So let's talk about the film Leaving Las Vegas a little bit. We've gone through his stuff. Uh, Alan, we'll start with you, and then we'll get to James. <laughs> Give me your impression because I feel like it's going to be contrary to where I sit on it. Um, and I like that. I like contrary opinions. It is. You hated it. It's depressing. It's so depressing. So, and this is the this is kind of the thing. The problem I have with Clint Eastwood movies it's it's depressing without being good. Like I don't mind sad movies. I don't mind depressing movies. Hold on, though. Side note: I actually like you. Lately, Clint Eastwood's been garbage. I think. Right. No, no offense, Clint. But his last two movies, Richard Jewell and The Mule, I actually thought were oh, entertaining. Richard Jewell was terrible. See, I, I, I enjoyed. Both I hated of them. it. It was like a political but, thing. It was. It was a. 
Like everything he did, he did. He missed the mark so hard. Like oh, wow. so hard. I loved it. And uh, well, I, I, and a lot of people did. But did, did you like the mule? Uh, I hadn't. I haven't seen oh, the mule. Mule was good too. That's yeah. one that I haven't seen. That I actually wanted to see. I've heard yeah. it's good. It is. Like I like Gran Torino. I thought that Great was really movie. good. Uh, Mystic River was good. It's so depressing, but it's depressing while being good at the same yeah. time. But I, I left it so enraged. This movie is just leaving Las Vegas, just like getting beat over the head without really any sort of payoff or any redeeming quality. Like I, I applaud it for its realism because I have known. I was going to say this. This is why I liked it because the right. characterization of it, like this guy that they've created, is authentic, and and it's you know that people authentic. have traveled right. down that road. I, I so have I known like people who have gone down that road, not necessarily with alcohol, but I've seen people who I love and care about go down this road with drugs, and it's the same thing. It, it's how many times have you had that conversation with them where they're like, I swear it's the last time. I just need 20 bucks, you know, or, or something like that. And you feel for them. But so I applaud it for its realism. But nothing really happens other than he's drinking and drinking and drinking and she's out being a prostitute like nothing really other than that happens they meet they they need each other i don't even think they love each other but they they, they meet and they need each other and then it's over i'll disagree with you a little bit there i actually think she loves him she falls in love right there's an acceptance of who he is i think she she liked she really falls in love with him i don't and think so i do because i think she's completely detached from everybody else and for whatever reason there's something that stands out about this guy that makes that intrigues her. I mean, if you're, and I, I don't know. I don't have experience being a prostitute. <laughs> but your friend, I, does. I like, I like how he's <laughs> looking at me. I was looking time. at James. Yes, I'm like, James looking directly at you. James, <laughs> fill us in on the definition here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. But the point is, is I think I think I disagree with you a little bit because I think if she didn't care for him or didn't have any kind of affection towards him she would have just let him be like any other guy that she slept with. And there's something about him that intrigues. It's almost his hopelessness that draws her in. And she's intrigued by that because she relates to it. But there's also, I would say, a point in the story where she actually does, to piggyback on what you're saying about falling for him, and it's after she gets gang raped. That's, that's I think, the key point in the script where it's like, she goes right to him. Yeah, because building it up to that point, exactly. if we step back, we're just a little because we'll get yeah. there. But if we step back just a little, and I can, I can see what but you're But you know saying. what I'm getting at. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I kind of have a different position on it. You don't think she cares for him at all it, in I, any kind of way? N- not necessarily. I just don't think she's in love with him. I, yeah. think, I think she is very lonely. I think the fact that he, didn't, he hired her but didn't want to have sex with her I think that to her was like, well, maybe maybe I can be loved for more than just my body. Yeah. And I think she needed to hold on to that. But I don't think it was necessarily him. But I think that's what the attachment is. And I think you're hitting it on the head, which is like every other person she's met up to that, every other guy has all been about the physicality. Right, right. Yeah. And, and, and he doesn't care. And what's kind of sad about it, I mean, it's a depressing film. Mm-hmm. So just forewarning everybody, like it really is. It's I mean, it's very depressing. It's just depressing. I I never found it depressing at all. James, like I don't, I'm not depressed at all. This is my life, man. (laughs) This is my friend's life. I'm like I've seen stuff more depressing than this. I I know a guy. I know a guy. I know a guy. Uh, 
I, I know what you're saying. Sure, there's a lot of other things that are comparably a lot worse off than something like this. But I think it is a little bit – it's sad. It's like you see the down – I guess the spiral of an mm-hmm. individual, right? I mean, he's a pretty successful guy. So when we start the film, it basically establishes him as a I – would, I would say a successful writer because it's, it's hard to, to get into that industry and be successful in Absolute, the way that he right, is. Right. He gets fired by the production company or the studio that he's working for as a writer – um, and they know that he's spiraling down. And the whole reason he's spiraling down is through alcoholism, right? He's absolutely a drunk. That's all he does. And it's implied that his, his family left him too. And it's the big thing is his wife. Yeah. Yep. His wife has left him. And, and his she, kid too. And his kid. And his but his he specifically says, I don't know if my wife left me because I'm drinking yep. or bec- if she left me because... Or if I'm drinking because she left me. Or if I'm drinking because right. she left me, right? So he's definitely spiraling. Absolutely. You know, and, but it, what I love about Nick Cage in this, like, I don't know, there's a, I don't know if it's, uh, if he did this himself. I mean, I think part of it's part of the makeup and the design of the film. He looks like shit. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. He does. Yeah. And it's not just the makeup. Like, his hair seems thinner. Yeah. He seems like more overweight, but then he and, takes his shirt off and he's thinner. And he's got the, his it's almost as if his eyes are like sinking right, in. Right, right. Exactly. He's yeah. got the sunken eyes. Yep. He's skinnier. Right. He's, oh, he's and, pale as shit. And a piece of trivia about the movie yeah. he never eats. You never see him actually eat throughout the whole movie, which is a sign of true alcoholism because alcoholics have a hard time eating or keeping food down. Not only that, but he says he's going to go get them breakfast and he ends up at a bar. Yeah, and then when when uh, Elizabeth Shue makes him food, you never actually see him eat it. Good point. Because you know what? I noticed that about her at first. Yeah. Where you didn't see her eat. Like you saw the Yuri, well, I think, the uh, her, her pimp. Yeah. You saw him eat. You saw people eat around her. Yeah. But it wasn't until they kind of well, developed she, this close relationship where you do finally see her. She had eat. to keep her figure, though. That's well, why she wasn't eating. Well, and okay? I, think, I think it was more. I, I Well, I think you're right. But I also think it's also about like she is supposed to be seen as not a human being, as an object. Fact. Yeah. And then once you see her as a human being, then they have yeah. her eating. Yep. I thought that was pretty, pretty uh, clever. But I, I didn't even notice that about him. Well, there's even a scene there where she tries to force him to eat. They talk about her making dinner and then she right. makes rice. Right. particularly to try to... Yeah. So she's, and he, yeah, and he doesn't need it. And, and the uh, side note is in the beginning of the movie where Yuri tells her to leave, Yuri's dressed, but he doesn't have shoes or socks on, which is a sign of you're about to get put into a fucking coffin. Right, right. And of course, what happens like five seconds later, guys come in to fucking whack See, him. and that's, that's, a, so, that's a good point. There's a lot of... Symbolism. There are some parts in this movie where I'm interested. Like, I'm interested in yeah. why Yuri was running... Why the people are coming after him? Yeah, uh, I'm interested in that biker bar. That whole scene, yep. like I, there are these moments where it's like, okay, maybe now it's going to get interesting, and then it just sucks you back into this depression and the story that really goes nowhere. Mm. It's just like it's reiterating everything we've seen. Well, let's let's establish a little bit too about who Yuri is. Yuri's basically Russian mob. Yeah, some so, kind of. Let me make sure I have that character name right. <laughs> Latvian or yeah. Russian. So it's, mafia. it's not hard to figure out why somebody's going to come to whack him. But he's basically know. he he's her pimp. he's her pimp. Yep. Um, who's established early on. Yep. And he's obviously completely abusive to her, beyond just being a pimp. I mean, right. he's sexually abusive, physically abusive, verbally abusive, like everything you can think of. Uh, but he's got himself in a position uh, that's that's pretty tough, and basically, it he, it's weird though because 
uh, to Elizabeth Shue's character, he actually shows like after he's done all this terrible shit to her, he shows he, her some sympathy. He has a cathartic moment because he knows it's it's over it's for over him for anyway. Him. Yeah, yeah. So he kind of relinquishes, tells her to leave, and he's going to be basically taken out by the Russian mafia yeah. or yeah. a mafia, right? So, so uh, Nick Cage's character. So we we backtrack a little bit. He leaves Los Angeles after being fired from his writing job as a screenwriter. Uh, and they ask him what he's going to do. He's like, I'm going to drink myself to death. I'm going to move to Vegas. I, I guess there's no better place to go than Vegas to drink yourself to death. Well, Vegas, when I think <clears throat> this movie was is so depressing, but it's so fitting because that's what I think of when I think of Vegas. I don't like Las Vegas. To me, you you drive in there and it's a bunch of a bunch of flashing lights. It's supposed to be excitement and happiness and everyone's having fun. And to me, it's just a pit of dirt and depression and sadness and sorrow. Like you go into these artificial rooms where it's loud and they don't have any clocks and they don't have any windows because they don't want you to know what time it is. And then I don't know if you've ever gone into a casino at night and then left the next day and it's light outside. Mm-hmm. It's the worst feeling in the whole world. It is the absolute worst feeling. And they also keep the temperature set at t- uh, certain uh, temperature, right, too. Right, exactly. It's, yeah. a, it's all orchestrated, and it's all fake, yeah. and it's all supposed to be like, yeah, we're having a blast, but it's really just people just pissing their life away and just depressing. And so I think Las Vegas is the perfect city to set this kind of movie. Yeah, in. and it's the weirdest It's the weirdest geographic location, too, because it's like, and everyone that has been there, like, you just drive in a desert, and then all of a sudden you arrive at some... Metropolitan yeah, like out, of, out of nowhere. It's like, yeah. Where did this come right, from? Right, right. Yeah. Um, so uh, it's also based on the book by, uh, uh, it's based on the autobiographical novel by John O'Brien. Who died like a week before the movie, uh, filming of the movie took place. Oh, no right. way. Yeah. Yeah, committed suicide. Yep. Oh, really? Yes. Yep. Um, and he, yeah, literally, yeah, like you said, a couple weeks before. Uh, and really, it was right after finding his novel was being used as the basis for this film. Like, so I don't know. It's it's very dark. Uh, the the movie itself is very dark, but then also the premise in which the movie's built off of is also even darker because it's realistic. And, right. 100%. and I read somewhere on I think it was on Reddit of all places that John O'Brien, the guy who wrote the book, started really drinking heavily when his writing on some cartoon show Rugrats was heavily altered by the studio. Because he was writing for for cartoons, he was yeah. He, he was a writer for Rugrats. Yeah, I can pull it up right now. Shitting me, yeah. John o, John O'Brien. Why? Fact. Yeah, here. Let me pull no, it I up. I believe you, uh, John. And that's that's a departure to write something uh, like a like a novel such as this, and then have a movie based off of it that's very dark and depressing, right. and having been writing Rugrats simultaneously <laughs> or within the same same time era. It um, almost seems fitting that. You're writing for some cartoon show, and you're just so depressed. It, it just seems so, uh, I, I, such a mask, almost like a yeah. Episode thirty-seven, animated series of Rugrats. Yeah, so and he, it was it was heavily altered by the by the studio, and supposedly that was the snapping point. Of well, him. it's written for children, so you can't have Ben Sanders. <laughs> so no, no, I know, yeah, <laughs> but you can't have Chucky snorting lines of coke. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> But but by the way, for those to give some context, Nick Cage's character's name is Ben Sanderson, and he's basically I would consider him a manic depressive, or he's got some kind. It's it's beyond just alcoholism. Like he's he's a manic depressive. He's always sad. He's, he's there's some form of depression going on. The character's pretty pretty uh, you know dark that way, and I think 
I think you know that it, it kind of it's kind of cool because it kind of explores those deeper darker subtext of what the manic depression is and mm-hmm. and like or or if whether it's bipolar whatever it is it's exploring some pretty dark shit and um his character's going through that he decides to go to vegas like we said and basically he literally says what's your plan for life and he says i'm gonna drink myself to death correct and that is his goal so like some of us might have goals to do x y and z whatever those aspirations might be his goal is to drink himself to death that's it well, like the, the shopping cart full of booze when he's dancing in the, the, in the liquor store. And there's some great Nick Cage scenes in here. I mean, when he goes at the beginning, right before he leaves to Vegas, yeah. and he's in the bar, and he's trying to hit on the one lady yep. that's in there, and he's doing the rum pum pum and he's singing the song to her, laughing my ass off because it's so it feels so real, and it's just funny. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, it, it's interesting to play a dichotomy of like sadness and comedy at the same time. Well, I think that's it. It's that's done really well because in LA he's miserable and you see him try and pick up on that, on that girl. And he basically says, please come home with me. Just please. He needs something to feel good about. Now does he, and he also says like, I'm, I promise. Does he say I'm not very good in bed? No, he says I'm phenomenal. I'm phenomenal. So he lies to her. So he lies. Right. And then once he gets to Vegas, (laughs) he's, it's like you hear people who are suicidal. Once they've made the decision, they're like, it's like they're freed and now they're happy. For that brief moment. And it, it's almost yeah. like that. He gets to Vegas and he's like, I can just be a degenerate. I don't have to worry about holding my life together. I don't have to worry about being an upstanding citizen. I can just drink myself to death and I'm totally free. And that's when he's happy and that's when he's doing the funny things. Which oddly reminds me of the story I read on Barstool Sports about a guy who decided that he was going to commit suicide. He goes down to Mexico, spends a month banging out hookers and doing blow and decided he wanted to live. You know, <laughs> you know. So it's like leaving Las Vegas part two or something. Imagine you know? that. Yeah. But that's a complete uh, reversal. Reversal, Re- of, reversal of Ben yeah. Sanderson because yeah. Nick Cage's character he just goes he, all the way all the down way to down. zero. Yeah. He doesn't have the retribution of <laughs> no. like let me fix this thing and right, no, he doesn't right. have that fix. epiphany of like yeah, man, exactly. this is great. Right. <laughs> you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, oh, but yeah. and there's it's scary too because he wakes up with the shakes like he can't even sign his name. Yeah. Without getting, that's some heavy, heavy, heavy addiction to alcohol. And from what I understand, alcohol is the worst thing to have an addiction to because the withdrawals can literally kill you. Like having the withdrawals can kill you flat out. And to the point where you can't even sign your name because you're shaking so bad. Oh, you haven't had a drink. What's the, because I'm, I'm unfamiliar with it. What's the, uh, what, what physically or what's the medical reasoning as to that what's your body doing just the literal alcohol itself and the content I, of alcohol in the guess. bloodstream or I, is it i don't do you know, know what i mean what like is, what yeah. is it that draws i don't know it's interesting we'll it's have to a, google that real quick we'll google I'm, that i'm on it right now excellent but here when he gets to he finally he gets to vegas and what when he does finally run into elizabeth shoe's character it's very happenstance like he's driving down the street in one of the biggest cities <laughs> and he just randomly she cuts in front of him yeah. in the crosswalk and and he almost hits her cuz he's obviously drunk yeah she kind of gives him the bird and says hey hey you know watch where you're driving but they just kind of run across and that kind of intrigues him and then he kind of follows her and then this that's the inception or the build of this relationship between him and her planting the seed the seed is planted it's very happenstance uh and then he basically makes a proposal to her he real, realizes she's a, a hooker 
and uh, they go back, but he doesn't really have any kind of desire to no. sleep with her. Nope. Right? Like all of her other clientele. Right. I think that's what we were talking about before is kind of what intrigues her about him. Is I think that's the whole thing. I think that's the key yeah. to it. And that leads... But that's where I, I think eventually that leads into her kind of falling for him and kind of having more than just... Like, this is where we were disagreeing. And I think eventually she basically... She has that, you know, she, she, it's not just the, oh, he doesn't want to sleep with me. Like I kind of like him. And then it like turns into caring for him even more because as the, as the movie goes on, like she starts doing things. I mean, she immediately offers what's I find interesting is that after that night, she wants to hang out with him still in her, in her eyes, he's seen something in her that's worth more than just her body. Like she, the only way she can get any validation is how much money she can bring she in. She was hot. Elizabeth Shue back then was hot. Elizabeth Shue back in the day, man. That was like... I mean, she's been pretty good looking since Karate Kid. Oh, Karate was. Kid was, yeah. Correct. She invites him to basically immediately after come hang, like live with him. She takes... Don't don't live in your motel that you're in. Come to my place. Stay there. Yeah. Well, that, she feels no threat of, to him. I think... Because I think as a prostitute, you got to be extremely cautious of men in general. Well, we can see why later on. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, for her, her to make that invite, she's obviously got some kind of trust towards his his persona or who he is. And that, I think this is why, like, you're not going or to... Or she just knows he's a fucking alcoholic. Right, right. And he, he's just a, me- a mess. Like, if you meet someone... I, I'm not saying that alcoholics are unlovable. I'm just saying if you meet someone when they're deep into their alcoholism, I can't imagine anyone's really going to be like, yeah, I want to be with this person. I mean, unless he hide it. Uh, yeah. You know, which he does. And that's the other thing about his I don't character. Think he does though. He's... I, do you think he, see, I don't think he hides it at all. I think he's absolutely yeah, exactly. open 100% right. about his, his, yeah. his alcoholism and who he is. I don't think he's trying to hide it at all, but yeah. I think that's what attracts her to him in some, in some aspects. Oh, I think so too, because I mean, especially in Vegas where everything is fake, yeah. everything is, is well, artificial. I mean, plus you, you have to look at the product. To, to piggyback on what Gabe said, you know, every John that she meets to some degree is lying his ass off. Right. When, when they hook up with her. But even, even if it's not to her, it's to their, their wives correct. or their And this is the or... first guy she's met that's completely 100% right, right. honestly open. So, and I, think I mean, that's, that yeah. is obviously a key for her to be interested no matter what. That's the right. catalyst to, to her yeah. kind of yeah liking him a little bit. Yeah. So they kind of, but she, he moves in with her to her place. She keeps hooking. Yeah, he keeps drinking. I mean, that's kind of the middle of this film. And or they this meet narrative. in the middle. Yeah. Well, he he straight up says, "You can never ask me to stop drinking," and she's and fine she with it. she's okay with it. And in the and this is what I mean in in the, in the middle of the film, that's basically what's happening more or less. Is she goes out getting clientele, he keeps drinking, and it's just kind of this thing and all these things. But as it gets towards later towards the end of the film, essentially, she doesn't stay to that. Cause she starts making him dinner and she starts telling him, you got to get help. She's, right. this is where True. I mean, she cares for him. Cause she pivots that opinion True. 30 minutes later in the, in the time and space of the film. True. Yeah. Uh, so I, this is where I think she actually really cares for him and, and he does in his own way, but his goal is undeviated. Like he's going to mm-hmm. get, he's going to achieve his goal. So even her who he, he does like, I mean, he, he likes her, but he's not going to like her so much that he's going to stop drinking right. and stop trying to obtain his goal of drinking himself to death. Right. Right. Uh, one of the pivotal scenes after kind of this, this progression in their relationship, we'll call it, is, is he's completely 
keeps drinking. She goes out. She meets a bunch of college dudes. They basically gang. They rape her. Yeah. Straight mm-hmm. up. And one of them is Heroin Bob from SLC Punk, which is, just blew my mind. Have you seen that? <laughs> I've yeah. seen SLC oh, Punk. Yeah. Fantastic. Yep. But it just seeing him in any other role is not right. It's, well, not- it's a pretty... I mean, this film is dark in general. That's a pretty dark scene, too. It's very I dark. I mean, it's like... And this is this is kind of the point. Because like, it starts off with her just partying and drink, being well, drunk. Well, you know, and- as soon as they're eyeing her, uh, you know it's not going to be... No. This is not going to end well. No. And then it gets physical. They basically knock her out yeah. and then rape her. Yeah. And uh, and then it, it kind of... And then w- basically at that point, she's now... I think this is where you were saying before too, James, is kind of where she realizes yeah. even more so that she likes Ben yep. more than she even thought she did before. Correct. Right. Uh, because she knows he's honest. And, yep. and at the end of the day, he kind of has his uh, her best interests in mind. Correct. So uh, she goes back. But at this point, he's lost. You got to remind me on the pivot point, though, because they do end up splitting and he goes back from he leaves her place and goes back to a hotel to continue drinking. And is it because she asks him to change? I, I think it is. I'm not 100%. This is where I got because they had it. So they have a dinner. Yeah. Right. They sit down. She cooks him food. Right. To which he doesn't really eat, like we mentioned before, because he's completely alcoholic. He doesn't have any desire to, to, to Correct. eat. But she asks him at this point, I, you need help. Right. And I want to get you help. I right. want to help you. Please, please, please change. Somehow they there's a departure in their relationship. He decides to leave her place and go back to the ho- the motel that he was at and drink himself to death. Uh, it was when he was cheating on her. When he got that's right because he was so plastered. He didn't well, he was know plastered, he was... but he also was starting because because he goes think... to the hotel. He gets there's there's a scene there where he goes to a hotel. He gets a bit out of hand. They, he loses it at the craps table. They kick him out. Well, I, I assume... I like how that was shot, actually. I like how it was shot from an upper angle. You don't really know what's going on. It's almost like you're an outside observer. What you would see, like, if you're watching through one of the security cameras. Is that is that the scene where... What's her name from Law & Order SVU makes a cameo? Well, she's the other... Haggerty, or however you pronounce her last no name. I don't know, but no. is she the other... She, plays, the other a, she plays a prostitute yeah, in the, the movie. Uh, the one that he ends up... I think so. Yeah, yes. the one he ends up because he goes up with to the again. casino. They kick him out. She take she goes back with him yeah. to Elizabeth Shue's house, and is caught there by but her. That's not when he got kicked out. He that's got not? kicked out when they were they were playing. He and Elizabeth Shue were playing at the table. That's right. And I assume that the waitress said, "You can't have any more alcohol." And he flips the table, which you can that's never do. Yeah, never do that in a casino. I mean, that's just wild. And then they they throw him out. That's right. No, you're right. Um, and, and she kind of vouches for him and gets him back to, this is another scene where though, where she kind of shares her, she, she gives up a lot for colors. him. She and does. that's the thing. She gives up, like she works in that hotel in that so casino. Like she goes in there to find yeah, John. Because uh, she gets shot down by, uh, Arlie Ermey from oh, uh, full metal. Jail. I know, right? I mean, seeing him, great. I was, it's, yeah, I, I just remember him from the Texas chainsaw massacre remake, which wow. is just. Uh, so good like full, he's so scary in that full metal jacket for me is where he was oh scariest. yeah for sure well that oh, but for, for sure. different reasons right but, right yeah right. we don't want to get off on a full metal jacket tangent. sorry because <laughs> i'm with you on it yeah. i'm with you 100 yeah. percent. anytime you take a kubrick road wait you like I'm, I'm with you <laughs> yeah <laughs> i had no idea no i don't <laughs> so we could do a whole like 
ep- we could do a whole portfolio of films on Kubrick. Do like a whole when we did The Shining, we did The Shining and it was like two hours and 45 minutes. <laughs> love it. Yeah. Anyway. Lo- I love Kubrick. Yeah. We went yeah. into like 3 a.m. I know. It's yeah. crazy. It's insanity. <laughs> but uh, where were we? <laughs> we're, we're talking about when, uh, when he... He gets caught cheating by Elizabeth Shue. Yeah, we're kind of we're kind of jumping through some things, and that's okay. But basically, he gets caught. Yeah, and and she kicks him out. That's what it yeah, is. She's like, she okay, this is, which which I you know in some degree I found kind of uh, kind of hypocritical or ironic in a way. I I, I know what you're saying, but based uh, on and, their the context of their relationship, like he knows she's much. a hooker, and yeah. he, it was starting to bother him. Like you see cuts. The way it was edited, you know, it, it shows that he's he's bothered the, by the fact that yeah, she's out. Yeah, it's getting tricks. to him. Yeah, and uh, they're supposed to have an emotional connection. So the he one does, thing they don't have is sex. Like they don't have it. You know. Yeah, yeah they and have then, the emotional connection. Right. Yeah. And then he she comes home and sees him about to actually have sex with someone, and he's or finish up having sex. Right. I'm not sure how it plays out. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And she's kind of not been begging, but she's been kind of saying let you know let's let's do this i'm gonna go home and watch this movie when i get home (laughs) so (laughs) for a second time just in case you didn't feel depressed enough by this whole i don't feel depressed by this movie james doesn't feel depressed i'm i'm a little more in the middle ground alan feels absolutely depressed he feels no depressed i'm kind of eccentric i'm just like it's very thing. let let me actually clarify my my it's it's very rare that i feel depressed by a movie like even even Requiem for a Dream, everybody's like, that's the most depressing movie. I'm like, I, I didn't find I'm it that I'm, depressing. I'm going to play against you there. It is a bit sad. It, that one's that one's. Uh, that, that's another movie I never found depressing at all. I would let kids watch it. So James, <laughs> okay. do you feel? Huh? I know. I know. I do. Here's the thing. Let me clarify my stance on this. It's supposed to be a depressing movie. Yeah, I didn't 100%. seem to really care about I cared more about Elizabeth Shue's character. I didn't really care about Nicolas Cage's character enough to be depressed. Like it was, it was, and this is kind of why I didn't like it because it seemed like it was trying to be depressing, but not really succeeding. And in order to be good in my eyes, you have to be successful in getting across the, the emotion of the feeling you're trying to, you're trying to portray. And I just didn't feel it. Like I just, so you think Nick Cage's performance is shit. No, no, no. I, I think his performance. Wow. I think his performance was pretty good. I don't think it was best actor good, but it was it was pretty good. It was definitely a, a step up for for most of what he's done. But I, it was the characters. I just didn't care enough about them. I wasn't. I can only see them doing the same things over and over again before I'm just bored. I'm just totally bored, and I can't keep going. And there were times when I'm like, I, I mean. I've said this a lot on this podcast where I have to check my watch over and over, see how much time do we have left. And this was one of them. Like, it was just, it's like, okay, I get it. Like, he's, and then something interesting happens. He goes in the biker bar. And I thought he was really charming in that scene. And I, th- I thought the interaction with the, the biker chick was, was pretty cool. Uh, she's the chick from Saw, by the way. Which one? Uh, uh, the first a, one? Yeah, well, she's in the first four. She's, uh, she's the one that got away. She's the one that got out of his trap. Shawnee Smith, the one from the Blob. Yeah, I think so. I think so. There's a lot is of. Her, I don't know what her name is, know. but yeah, I'll, I'll pull it. Up. I, Keep I going with that. your point, though. But yeah, so um, yeah, so I like so you get to these points where it's like, okay, th- now this is an interesting setup. This is an interesting scene, and then he gets he gets headbutted. Yep, that's her. Boom. He gets headbutted 
by the biker guy and nothing comes of it. There's no there's no point other than Elizabeth Shue's like, let me take care of you. But she does that when he falls over the table. Like, I mean, she does taste his blood after he gets hit, right? She does? I, did, I missed when that. When he comes back, isn't he? Isn't she he, tasted his blood? Because he's got the bloody. Right. And he goes back to her apartment, right? right? And she's like, what happened? And then she like starts to sympathize for him and then. She kisses him and she tastes his blood. She says, "Your blood tastes." Good. Oh, that's right. Yeah, like that's she right. she that's doesn't right. go out and be like, "I'm gonna yeah, taste your Yeah, I was blood. like, "Damn, maybe this." She this does say though, "Your blood tastes good." Right. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, "Okay, this is all right." Whatever. Well, that's like her saying, "Your pain tastes good." Like your pain is relatable. I can I can yeah. relate to your pain. Yeah, there's a sim- symbolism for sure. And yeah. So it's just, but it's just not. I don't know. You didn't I, feel I, it. I, I know what they're trying to go for. I just didn't get the gut punch. You know, it was just like this is a depressing movie, but it's not. It's. They're not hitting it right. They're so not, they're hitting the wrong note. Okay, and and we'll kind of start getting towards the end, but also talk about the scene in which I think the the title of the film is based off of, which is leaving Las Vegas. What is? It's basically where they share a moment, right at a motel. They leave the area of Vegas, and they they're supposedly now strengthening this relationship that they might have had, right? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of. Oh, it was kind of dumb. <laughs> See, this is what I'm talking about. Like, I know what they're trying to go for, but it's just not done well enough. And they leave Vegas and then they come back and they don't learn anything or or grow from it. They just kind of fall right back. That's to the whole were. movie. Nothing happened. Like, no one grows. But they left Nothing. Vegas, Alan. No one changes. No, like, there's no there's no lessons learned here. There's no character arc. It's just I, everyone is well, in the same fucking place they were when the movie started. But, but to counter that, I, in my opinion. That's the whole point of the movie. Is some people just don't learn. They keep true, on true. doing That's the same point. thing. That's a good point. You know, and I think that movie nails that point yeah. right on the head. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? If that's what they're going for, I, you know, they succeed and, 100%. And I, th- and I think, I honestly, judging from John O'Brien's other book that I've read, Stripper Lessons, by the way, folks, uh, <laughs> I think they the movie hits that message right on the head. Which Absolutely. Is the guy keeps on doing the same stuff over and over. Nobody ever learns. And so, just bad choices and bad decisions. But I think you, I think someone does learn in their own way. True, which, uh, her her character does. Because, Elizabeth Shue does. She yes, doesn't. Yes, that's the difference. Yes. Yeah, because it's actually inter. By the way, it's the film is intercut editorially with uh, these the what seem to be. I was unsure when you watch it. You'll you'll see Elizabeth Shue's character talking about Ben's experience and her experience with Ben. Feels like a therapy session. And that's what I was going to say is that it feels like a therapy session and it's her kind of, there's a little bit of growth there maybe, or maybe not James. You're you're saying there's no growth in that character. Well, I mean for him, probably I would say no for him. No, but But for for her, her, there is especially, And, and it's cut into the film past versus present therapeutic style. And and I think a part of it, I hate to say it, is after that scene with the college guys. Yeah. Because, oh, for sure. you know, for sure. that's the point where she's really like, okay, wow, this this mid, uh, Nicolas Cage guy clearly, you know, s- someone completely different than what I'm used to. Were, yeah. I think that was a point where maybe, I, I like to think at least that she says, that says to herself, I can't continue this life anymore. Yeah. And maybe she's looking for a way out with him. She she likes him. This is where I'm getting at. I think she likes him enough to want to continue something beyond or, or continue what they've already established. Right. This is why I think she likes him. I think she likes him more than you're telling me she does. I, I think she likes <laughs> the idea of him. I don't yeah. know if it's specifically him. I see what you're saying. She likes. It, I, I any, see what you're saying. Any growth that he has is is 
done after the first act. That's the other thing that kind of. Well, I mean, me. his, like like James said, I don't think his character has any growth. Well, I think because I think his character's objective is what we've already established. Well, which is like, and growth is the wrong word. Yeah, I don't think growth is the right one. Arc. Any arc he has is 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 peak <laughs> and done after Act One. Yeah. As soon as he gets to Vegas, that's it. I mean, I mean it, uh, what I do like about it. I mean, if we're th- that's only if we're thinking of it in a traditionalist sense, mm-hmm. which is like the character needs to kind of arc through some kind of narrative. Right. And and it's it's hard to give up that kind of. Uh, I don't want to call it a trope because it's uh, that's staple. It's no, hard, I agree with you. It's sometimes it's hard movie, for us to, right. to extrapolate and go. But I actually liked it. The fact that I mean, in a morbid, dark sense, like his character is basically like, like, here's where I am. Here's my goal. Right. And I'm trying I'm to hit that goal. Right. Right. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, for sure. I, I, in a he morbid, definitely achieved a goal. You know, and this is what <laughs> we'll get to at the end of the film. In a morbid way, <laughs> this is going to sound probably completely the wrong. He, I liked that he hits his goal. No, on a, no. I mean, I know that sounds crazy, but no, like his whole concept is like, I don't want to be here and I'm going to achieve it. No matter rain, sleet, snow, whatever presents itself, I will achieve my goal. I know this sounds so morbid for anybody listening. And his goal is to kill himself. No, I actually agree. A hundred, 138%. Like for, for me, when he, his existence was so miserable in LA. And you, you, you could you could see the desperation. You could see his life falling apart. You could see how destroyed he was. That it is almost relief when, at the end, he achieves his goal. Achieves like it, his it's goal. almost like... Because there's really no turning back, regardless. Exactly. Even before he left because to go to Las Vegas, there was no turning back let's, for him. Let's say, just for the sake of argument, that he, he has an epiphany, like like the dude in, in Mexico. And is like, I want to live. What the fuck do you do then? Like, your life is destroyed. It's just such a long, not to say people can't climb their way out of it, but it's such a a huge mountain to climb that it's almost like just mercifully let him his life end. I'm also looking and and once again, perspectively, I'm looking at it from the side of 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 deaths not all that bad for somebody that's ready to move beyond whatever exactly. presented itself right. in life. I know that some people are going to have completely contrary opinions, but my opinion is that. For this character is what I'm speaking to. It's I like that he achieves it. I'm with you on that for sure. He he leaves her, and so we can get to the the end of the film essentially in the storyline. He he doesn't leave her actually. She she kicks him out after finding him with the prostitute. He goes back to the motel. That's even even more catalyst for him to just keep drinking, keep drinking, keep drinking. She moves on, but she receives a phone call. And see, this is what I think. And know this is going to sound a little sentimental. It's kind of sweet. It's kind of nice. Like, he calls her. Especially because you see her looking for him on the street. And yeah. Trying to find she's him. trying to find him. Right. He calls her and says, this is where I'm at. And she goes and visits him. And he's completely, it's, it's obliterated. On, it, obliterated. Right, he's on right. the end of life. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know how I felt about the last part, which is not that I have anything against it. I just thought it was kind of, I know this is good. It, sound, it was a bit comical. He's like, see what you do to me. He's like, he's completely dying, and 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 and. But she, he's like, you, you still give me Was a hard. Was he trying on. to masturbate? Like he, he put <laughs> his hand I mean. under the sheet. I didn't. And get she's it. like, let me, let me. I would, uh, I would assume so. But, but he but probably what? wasn't in any physical condition it, well, to do exactly. so. And, and why? And he says, you see how hard you make me, angel. Yeah. Like it's the whole. The way that was set up was super clunky. Physically and medically, can he still get a hard right. on? 
but even being the fact, that obliterated, even the fact that he's I guess thinking so. like, oh, I'm about to Each die. Man I'm his own. masturbate in front of this chick real quick. Like, anything's possible. Yeah. But then I, I, I like what they're trying. I mean, it's, it's a hard, you got to get. Your mind is so gone. I mean, at that point, right. his mind sure. is literally, I mean, you're, it's probably mush. I it's like mush, what they're trying right? to do. Though. They're trying to get to the point where they finally have sex. And then he dies. Like, yeah, the symbolism is there. But there is not an easy, like, that's a tall task. I, I just, I, I, I'm not trying to be some medical doctor, PhD here, but I just don't know that he's going to get I a hard on. I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> Only true love will give you a hard on. And so. Or, well, <laughs> when you're Viagra or Enzyme. Yeah, exactly. True. You know? Exactly. But she, she arrives at the motel. He's obliterated. And then this th- transpires. The, the concept being that they essentially... They have sex, and then you know? she she literally sucks and the life out of And while they're having sex, he dies. Yep. Which I mean, if you ask me, isn't a bad way to it's go. A good, it's a good way to go out on top. Yeah, exactly. If right. there is a way to go out on top, so and for him there was because we talked about it. He achieves his goal, and he's gone. It's he's dark. Gone. What a dark story. I'm sorry. The whole thing James is says so no. Dark. I disagree with James, and that's okay. James that's why like, we I, like I watch this shit to go to sleep at night. Man. <laughs> He's all, this calms me. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, you know, we, we kind of jumped around to different scenes. We didn't get into the detail that sometimes we try to get into, and that's fine. I loved where this went with the story. Uh, give me – we'll start with you, James. Give me a little bit of a summation of the overall feel of the movie, what, and then give me a rating 1 to 10 on where you sit. It's a, it's a feel-good movie. <laughs> Uh, it's a whimsical journey. Yeah. It's a fantastical yeah. journey. <laughs> whimsical. Where? It's it's a very jovial film. No. I I mean like I said, I didn't I don't find things as depressing as other people. Uh it's very That's okay. I would say it's a very tough movie to watch for most people. Uh it's not one you're going to do a pick me up on. Correct. I mean you're not watching it and walking out going, All right. Yeah. Feeling right. good about everything. Let's right. so have a drink. Right. <laughs> I mean, unless you're one of those guys that comes out and be like, man, my life could be 10 times worse. There's like this guy. True. True. Uh, I get you're right. It's true. all about you know, perspective. It, it's all. Yeah, exactly. Uh, like the Titanic, you know, everybody thinks about the ship sinking, people drowning. Think about all those lobsters in the kitchen. Bam. They lived. So <laughs> they sure did. Perspective. Perspective. Silver lining. Uh, yeah. Uh, one to 10. I would probably give it a seven or an eight out of 10. Okay. I, I enjoyed it. So, very good movie. Nice. All right. It's it's a movie I I would recommend to some people, but not to others. But I I sure. enjoyed it. I thought it was a great. But all play. children can watch it. Absolutely. <laughs> Anybody under the age of twelve should definitely see absolutely it and be it's like a life lesson, man. This is this is why you shouldn't drink. This is your future right here. Yeah. You know, Don't drink, kids. Yeah. Watch this movie. That's what <laughs> they should just teach on in fifth grade. Or or be like, hey, kids, if you get married, this is what's going to happen to you. So <laughs> your wife will leave you and you'll become yep. an alcoholic and you'll, die. you'll become a country music song. Yeah. <laughs> so okay, seven point five for James yep. Allen. Where do you sit on it? So give me a little summary. First, I gotta ask: Is this punishment for martyrs? Is this punishment like? I, but see, if you go back and look at the rating I have on martyrs, I liked martyrs. That's true. That's I true. So you can't, but that was tough to watch. I haven't even you know, heard my, of that. Yeah, you go watch it. It's it's right up your alley. Phenomenal. It's like what, what's it about? It's Side brutal. Note. It's brutal. Ooh. It's about death. I like I like brutal and brutal brutality. Like serial killers, physical or? brutality. Ooh. No, not no serial more ki- cult, more cult like death stuff. Ooh. I will tell uh, you obsess- obsession with death. If you're interested in it, it we had it on episode. Episode. I'm working on it. Seventeen. Seventeen. Okay. We did it. 
I and, almost pulled that right off memory, Alan. I was yeah, close. You were close. That's good. I'm pretty good. Uh, I forced I forced Gabe and Brandon to watch uh, it. It's a great movie. It's but if you go back, watch and, the French one though. Don't watch the American one. Yes. Watch the French one. And I actually had a good rating. I was in the seventh somewhere. Yeah, on it. yeah. It, I like the film, but it's so, really tough to watch. It's very violent. Very well. Very, very tough to watch is for James. It's not. Yeah, yeah it might be. It's a step up from this, but half a step. For but you. to answer your question, no, because whoa, whoa, it, I whoa, liked whoa, Martyrs. Whoa, hold on, hold on. They look like two hot chicks on the poster here. Uh, they so. don't look. They're not hot for long. Oh, <laughs> just put it that way. Wait till the ending. <laughs> um, but fillet fish. I'll just say, you know, like last week. I, I suggested Pee Wee's Big Adventure. You know, I was looking for a, a feel good comedy. We're still going to go there. We, we got this whole coronavirus shit like bearing down on us. It's looking a, for a little pick me up. And it's like, no, we're going to be leaving Las Vegas. <laughs> like, hey, we well, the complete opposite. We, we could have done Contagion. I mean, <laughs> that's true. Been, yeah. That, that would have been true. more appropriate to the times. Yeah. However, outbreak. Yeah. or outbreak. Yeah. yeah. But, well, the thing is that it really spawned from I knew James was going to be guest on the on the cast tonight and because me and james both love red rock west yeah. and we couldn't watch it and right, we had to change right. some no, things I, around things that's where it's bond farm yeah. was let's keep it nick cage and right. then i just chose the most depressing of the right. nick cage well films. i think yeah. i think that's the right way to go i mean it, it's too easy to go like we'll go wild nick cage like he can't do that so I, i'm just giving i'm just kind of giving you shit but uh it, you hated it anyway. I, 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 didn't didn't like it. It. I didn't like it okay. no, i didn't like that's it fine. Um, i like it i liked i know what they were trying to do and i think if if they had done it differently, they probably could have been successful. You can have a depressing movie. I'm, I'm not a big fan of depressing movies, but you can still have one and still make it good where it's enjoyable. Not enjoyable, but where you appreciate it. Uh, I didn't – this movie, I was I was bored and I wanted to be sad because it was super dark, but I just couldn't – I didn't care enough to really be that sad. That actually reminds me. There is a war movie that, that makes me absolutely depressed. What is it? Gallipoli. It's an Australian movie about the Gallipoli, Gallipoli campaign in World War One, and it's one of Mel Gibson's first movies. Oh, really? Yeah, absolutely, utterly depressing. I'll the final scene, whew, it's brutal. So we'll have to watch that now that that that, that that's that's a movie where it gets to the final scene. I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna stop it. It's <laughs> it's brutal. Wow. And it's by Peter Weir, who did like Witness mm-hmm. and Dead Poet Society, who I love. But that that and don't call me. But I want to say, and we were talking about this off mic. I want to say Peter Weir also just directed Spencer Confidential with Mark Wahlberg, which is the worst movie I've ever I, seen. That I don't know. That I don't know. We'll have to you look that up. Look about it up. That, yeah. Double check it. Double check it. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Um, What's your rating? Five point seven. Ooh, he's five, coming to five point seven. What? Uh, five point seven empty bottles of vodka. Yeah, but five point seven isn't that bad of a rating though. If you think it's about not horrible, it. it's not great. For either. me, it's pretty bad. It's all perspective, James. Exactly. Five point seven is not a passing grade in my class. <laughs> I can't remember Fact. what uh, what I gave. <laughs> Look who's knocking at my door, but it was right around there, I think. Yeah, I mean it's it's pretty equal. You yeah. might, I think I want to say I'm, I have a pretty good recall. I think it was a five point five. I think you're right. I think you're. I think right. it was a five point five. So I think you're barely just above. I that. think so. Nope. And and which is about right. It wasn't. It wasn't P- Peter. Weir. Peter Berg. Peter Berg. That's who. I was thinking who about. coincidentally enough did one of my. Created one of my favorite TV shows of all time, Friday, Friday Night, Night Friday Lights. Friday Night Lights, fantastic TV. Fantastic he directed, show. He directed the movie too. Didn't like the movie, but the you know show, what? The, TV the movie show was okay. Was the movie, great. the first time I watched it, I loved because I read the book. That was a book I read. Great book. First. It's great the book. The book is so good. It's so, so good. good. But then I watched the movie and I was like, I loved it. But then I watched it again. I'm like, oh, it's so it's okay. corny. It's okay. It's okay. TV show was amazing. Yeah, that's what I hear. I've, I've seen like the first. Go watch the TV good. show. It's I agree. Great, it's fantastic. Yeah. Great show. Couple couple pieces of trivia here on leaving Las Vegas. Mike Figgis wanted. 
the cast to really experience firsthand extensive research like mm-hmm. the characters. So <laughs> he so here's what Nick Cage did because he wanted to go all in. Yeah, heard about this. Yeah, yeah Cage Cage uh, researched by binge drinking in Dublin for two weeks. God. And he had a friend videotape him so he could study his speech while he was drunk all the see, time. Why, why couldn't I have been in Ireland for that, you know? Just... You know what? We should have just been actors. We could just go get wasted all the time. <laughs> yeah. I know. They're paying him to do reason. I mean, there's always a, a pre-contract uh, a pre, a pre, uh, so they can go out. They'll, they'll sign him on. He had two weeks to go drinking in Ireland. I love wow. it. Just, yep. imagine, just imagine what a character actor like Christian Bale would have done. He would have gone oh, fucking God, yeah. bonkers. Yeah. Oh, jeez. I love Christian Bale. Oh, he's great. He also visited uh, hospitalized, career, this is what they call them, career alcoholics. Yep. Yeah, I heard about so that he too. he visited them and, and just and, and walked through it. It's got to uh, be tough. I do know uh, a lot of the shots, I, I can't, if I remember correctly reading about it, they, they were running out of money. So a lot of the shots in downtown Vegas. Yeah were, were uh, guerrilla style. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. So a lot of the reactions from, from the people in the background were like real people getting real reactions. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah, because and they didn't have enough money and they couldn't the get permitting. Get permits, and so yeah. he's, and so they, Mike Figgis said, let's just shoot it, guerrilla. Yeah. Let's go. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Cage, uh, pertaining to those other things we were talking about, said it was one of the most enjoyable pieces of research he's ever had to do for a part. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> And then, of course, I mean, it would only make sense. And, and, and Elizabeth Shue, of course, spent time interviewing several Las Vegas prostitutes. Oh, God, what I... Never mind. James' you know, favorite. She, she's not quite as committed as Nick Cage, because Nick Cage didn't just interview the alcoholics. <laughs> yeah. You know? He became... Elizabeth more... Shue, I mean, I got to say her commitment levels a B plus at best. Yeah. <laughs> some, te- if... some technical specs on the film, shot on Super 16 millimeter, 16 millimeter film. And uh, Figgis composed the score himself. Yeah, because he's a jazz musician. Because he has, well, he has also, the background. Also, yeah. all those lounge songs, which I did not care for, which just kind of ruined it for me, too. Yeah. Like, the jazz lounge music. That See, were... now, now I want to go home and watch my favorite yeah. Mike Figgis movie, Internal Affairs, where Richard Gere plays the most corrupt cop in most movies I've right, seen. The right. Absolute in, corrupt. In history. Yeah. Leaving Las Vegas has a limited release. It came out in 1995. Critics praised it. It got four Academy Award nominations. The film was released nationwide in February of 96. And then United Ar- Artists picked it up for distribution in North America. Does it say which which Oscars it picked up other than Best Actor? So the four Oscars that it, that it got uh, Academy Award for was Music. Best Actor, Best Actress, Best Director, Best Adapted Screenplay. It was nominated for those four and won and one. one Nicholas Cage director? won for best uh, actor, best director. I mean, yeah, but you was also, the direction that great in this thing? Nicholas Cage also won best actor for uh, Golden Globe that same year for this role. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, people were just this, Nick Cage got some serious accolades. This, for this, this is film. like this is like what you know. Uh, one time I was at a jazz game and I, I managed to finagle some seats really down, like super down low. And they were playing the Detroit Pistons, and Rasheed Wallace was playing. I hate Detroit for them. And uh, it it in any way, you know, the fans down low, they're brutal. Like they're giving him shit. They're talking shit the whole time. And he looks because this is when when he was on his decline, and Detroit, this is after they won their title. And then Rasheed Wallace, but was, before he got sent to the Celtics, a lot of people actually, don't no, remember it, that it was the Celtics. It was the Celtics. That's yeah, right. It was the Celtics. that was the last team. That he was, was when with. they were not very good. Yep. And that's right. And it was after his prime. And he just looks around and he says. Talk when y'all win something. And he said that to the crowd. And it's kind of like, 
Nick Cage now. It's like everyone's yeah. making fun of him. Point to the scoreboard, Point baby. To the scoreboard. I got a Best Actor. Do you? I got an Oscar and a Golden Globe. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, like you can you can make fun of me for the bees all it's you the want. Apex of filmmaking. It really I mean, is. It is. He, what are you gonna no do? No one can talk shit. You to lock him. that in in ninety five, ninety six for the next twenty five years. You can do shit films. Dude, you win it however you want. You, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's how that's how I look at some of these because you read about the curse of the Oscar, where guys win Oscars mm-hmm. and then they make horrible movies mm-hmm. for the rest of their career. And same thing, you know. Yeah. You can make garbage movies for the rest Doesn't of your matter. life. Doesn't matter. Yeah. You can now be you like, cash hey, in. See, see this Oscar? You hold it up. Fuck you too. You but, hold it up. But, it's the championship. Hey, spe- speaking of Oscars, not to interrupt, I do have a question for you two specifically because you know you guys are more in depth with film than I am. But I ask this to a lot of movie buffs, so I'm going to ask you for your opinion. All right. Side note. Would Man, you- there's a lot of pressure. I hope I can answer <laughs> I this know, question. Seriously. Could, this is just out of curiosity. Okay. Which director that I'm about to name, who's never won Best Director, do you think might win one? Okay, because you know I know David Lynch never won one; they gave him the honorary one, right? So Christopher Nolan, David Fincher. There was a third one, and I can't remember it. So we'll just go with those two. <laughs> those right are too now. good, though. Alan hit it up. I'll, 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 I'll. So which one? I don't think either of them will ever ever win. Who was the first Ever. one? Christopher Nolan. Christopher Nolan. And he's one of my all-time favorites. That that David following Fincher. podcast that you made, oh my God, I had to take a cold shower. <laughs> I, I love Christopher Nolan. Oh, I love But he'll, he'll never win one. I don't think he'll win one. The, um, the only chance he has is if he does another war movie like Dunkirk. That's funny because you brought up Nolan and you brought up Fincher. And, and fin- I like Nolan, but I'm a bigger Fincher fan than I am a Nolan yeah. fan. Believe it or not, so am I. Yeah. But Fincher, I don't think will say, ever win one. I say Fincher could win one. Maybe I think he could. Like Zodiac was super. That was could, that's one of my all time. He could do something like movies. that. Yeah, it's so good. He could do something like that. That is just it's hitting the the psyche at the right yeah. time. I could see him doing Nolan. I, I I'd say that's a, a a further shot. The like I said, the only way I could see him winning it is if it's a war movie like Dunkirk, because that's the only time he's, he's going to have to do something. I mean, Inception. Dunkirk. Kinda. I mean, possibly. I mean, it was nominated. Yeah, and that's and what I'm saying is if he makes another war movie, maybe because that war movies was one always win. I loved Dunkirk. I yeah, thought it could. You just been better there. hope that Spielberg and Scorsese don't make movies the same year. Who? There was the other only chance. God he got. damn it! There was a third guy, and I can't remember his name. We're gonna jump back into leaving Las Vegas. Yeah, sorry. IMDb. No, those are great questions. Yeah. IMDb has a rating of seven point five on on leaving Las Vegas. Wow. Rotten Tomatoes is at uh, it, it's uh, on the, the 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 tomato meter for the critics. It's at ninety percent. Holy the, shit. For the audience, it's at eighty five percent. So holy take shit. It, take it or leave. It's pretty high scores for the at, audience, especially. At, I mean, they're coming at eighty five. James came in at a seven point five. You came in at a five point seven. So there's a disparity there. I'm gonna come in. Hold on. Am I rating okay. out of out of ten on uh, leaving Las Vegas? I'm gonna come in at a seven point two. Wow. Uh, seven point two what? Yeah, uh, seven point two prostitutes. <laughs> Yes. Okay. Good. Good. good now call. you're talking. Yeah. Now you're talking. Now you're talking language. Business. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah I, so. I did think of the third guy. Uh, sorry about that. No, Going that's back, all right. Go Quentin back. Tarantino. Oh, Tarantino has. I think has a better chance. Yeah. Out of, I think he's out got of the anybody. Really? Chance. Yeah. I do. Yeah. I really do. Wow. Hollywood loves. Because he's already him. won one for, well, he, for he, writing. He, so, yeah. He's no. He's won like three, but he's never won Best Picture, Best Director. I. Yep. I, I can see Hollywood loves him. I can see, especially. That's why. I think he's got it, one film left. He says or something. Yeah. Like that's what that. he says. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he'll get it on the next one. I. 
I, I mean, he's he's well, already won them for things that aren't out. But you know, I think because of that reason, something like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which was a great film, I thought it mainly was. mainly because of the dog at the end. The do- <laughs> see, I still haven't seen it. That's it, like next on my list. No, no, I won't spoil it. Yeah, then. yeah. So I think he's got the best chance. Yeah. Although, I, if I'm looking at those three and I had to pick a, out of those three, who would be my favorite? Fincher's my favorite. Same for here. Sure, for yeah. sure. Uh, I do. I will say one thing. Fincher's new one might because it's a movie about the screenwriter who wrote Citizen Kane. So, um, look, we digress all the way again absolutely. to start the podcast. We digress uh, to end the podcast. We digress. James. Yes. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. Thanks for joining. Yeah, this uh, is fun. man. It's fun. You, I, I like when you when someone can come in and bring a, a flair in a good way. Mm-hmm. They're knowledgeable. They know what they're talking about. Well, I so have, appreciate it. I have good my job. piece. It's a flair. You were. You got your piece of yeah. flair. <laughs> Alan, as always. It's a blast, man. It's a blast it's to have you on. Hey, hey, quarantined. real quick. Can I say or something? Or be part of it. I shouldn't say have you on. Just be <laughs> here. Uh, you it, know man. what I mean. It's my favorite. It's you my know favorite. what I mean. Real quick. Can, can I say something real quick? Because it's a podcast, so give it, you know, give everybody a always does plugs. So I see you guys are trying to grow beards. Uh, my buddy. That I'm not I was, trying. I, I trimmed it. I've had this shit. bad boy for 20 fair, years. Fair enough. Just hear me out. My buddy that I was in the Air Force with, Gibby's, uh, Gibby's Beard Company. He's, uh, he's a cop down in uh, St. George area, but he has a side hustle, as he likes to claim. And uh, hopefully he's going to be listening to this because I told him I was going to be on it. It's called Gibby's Beard Company. It's veteran owned and uh, operated. I love it already. Yeah. So I wanted to plug it and let you guys know so you guys can try and buy some. He's got the beard oil. Absolutely. And he's he's working on a beard balm. Nice. So, he has nice. a real he has a real beard. I'm not trying anything. I'm not trying True. to front. I'm not trying to fake. Yeah. I love James. it. I love it how you threw it out there. I see how you guys are trying to grow yeah. beards. <laughs> I didn't see he said uh, <laughs> no, no, you did. Yeah, no, I did. Yeah. You just wanted to hate on yeah. us. Well, it yeah. was bad. I literally trimmed my beard yesterday. So I do. And don't and don't edit don't edit my uh advertisement. <laughs> I, I told him I would do it on the show. I'll keep it on there. I like Gibby's beards already. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for joining the podcast. Yeah. This is the Tame Aperture Podcast. Go check us out at www.tameaperture.com. All things movies, first time directors, indie art house, and much, much more. Uh join the community. Appreciate it, everybody. And James Allen, it's been a pleasure. Until next time. Team Aperture signing out. Team Aperture podcast is produced by Dutch Angle Pictures in association with Studio B Productions. Listen, watch, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and YouTube.